Hi, I'm Monica, a.k.a. Miniature Mouse. I love boys, but I don't have one. And in fact, I've never had one. I could probably count on two hands how many dates I've been on in my entire life. And I decided it's time to change that. Hi, I'm Jess, and I love boys, too. And in the opposite way of Monica, I can't count on all the hands in America how many people I've had sex with. And yet, I still don't have a boyfriend. And I want one. And I'm Dax, and I love Monica and Jess in so many ways. They don't have partners, and that is a huge mystery to me because they're both incredibly attractive, so fun, so smart, and have so much to offer. So what we decided to do is examine these unhealthy patterns and bring in experts and outsiders to help critique us, advise us, guide us, pretty much call bullshit on us so that we can find the romantic companion that we're looking for. We started this thinking it was going to be just cute little dating challenges that we would go on and talk about and laugh about. Turns out it is very hard to be vulnerable in real time in public. Yes! I'm so excited! You're so lying. We romanticize pathological love. One to ten. How much do you want love? Go. You can't even get the sentence out. I would just eat around it. It's a little selfish. Why do I want something? And then why have I designed a defense? We must put the chum in the water for the sharks to come, buddy. Monica's like, so apparently I have to join Raya this week. He likes fucking! You don't even have a kiss, a handheld, anything. Your frontal lobe is just in the way. Push-up bra, low-cut top. That's what you should be doing. We masturbate every night. Rob's too uncomfortable for this. Please enjoy part five. Monica and Jess love getting called out on their bullshit with Dr. Drew. Monica and Jess is supported by Helix Sleep. We are really different, right? thousand percent. Just couldn't be more different. You're tall, I'm short, and we're one of a kind. And that's why we have Helix mattresses that are designed to our body because one size does not fit all. Helix has a sleep quiz that takes two minutes to fill out. It was so easy to do. And they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. With Helix, there is a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. I sleep on my stomachy side and I want a mattress that's kind of medium. Mm -hmm. I don't like it when it's too firm or too soft. So when I took the quiz, I was matched to the Helix Sunset. What about you, Jess? I was midnight. Pretty firm, side sleeper, and run a little warm. Nice. I love the mattress. Do you love it? I love it so much. Oh my gosh. And you've replaced like a 40-year-old mattress, so (laughs) you really stepped it up with Helix. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try out your mattress for 100 nights risk-free. If you don't love your mattress, they pick it up from you and give you a refund so easy. So go check it out for yourself. Go to helixsleep.com slash Monica. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Upgrade your sleep. Sleep's important. It's worth it. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Monica. Monica don't like, Monica don't like boys, Monica loves boys, just don't like, just don't like boys, he loves boys, Monica and Jess, you know they don't like boys. Jessica, our fifth installment mm-hmm. of Monica and Jess Loves Boys. Jess, we're halfway done. I know. <laughs> we're halfway done. How are you feeling? I'm feeling 
uncertain. I don't know where it's going and it's not what I thought, but I like it. And it's it's a lot deeper than I thought. Kind of a metaphor, right? Yeah. (laughs) For relationships? Yeah, exactly. You guys are hysterical though. Already? Already. (laughs) Already. I'm enjoying this so much. Yay. So we feel very lucky to have our guest today. Dr. Drew Pinsky is with us today. Snap. Snap, snap, snap. (laughs) To help us and... Let's get in. Let's go. Let's begin. Okay. Let's, Let's begin. So I'm feeling like one of the things that makes this uncomfortable, particularly for you, Jess, is mm-hmm. that it's, you feel a little regressive. Like you, you look like a little boy sometimes when you're talking about yeah. this. What's that all about? Mm. Mm. I've always been a little boy trapped in a 6'5", 230 body. Did something happen that, that sort of you never got through that left you a little boy? Or um, Wow. <laughs> We're going there. I love this. I'm so happy already. Oh, you're, I'm coming for you next. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. I've loved that about myself. I've loved that all my boyfriends have said I have this joy and this like... Childish energy. Yeah. I, I get all that, but I'm seeing something a little different, which is all asset, right? It's all, yeah. it's all good. But I'm seeing that when you talk about whatever it is what makes you anxious that we're getting into here, we don't even know what yeah. that is yet, Yeah, I see you get a little regressed. Oh. And I'm wondering what that is. I'm wondering why that takes you back to that place. Is that when you first recognized you were gay and sort of had to hide that part of yourself and that part of yourself has been sort of unattended to for some reason? Maybe, but also this is public. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel comfortable in my own skin. I'm 43. And I, and I also don't, hate that I'm kind of like that. But you're confusing two things. Okay. One is the asset that you're childish, and that's awesome. Yeah. But the other is whenever you start, and I see you getting uncomfortable with what might happen in the podcast, I see something different. Okay. Which is, I see you sort of being a child, like it takes you back in some way. Not, I'm childlike and I have all these assets. It's like something's, like there's a part of you that hasn't been attended to, and it's present here in all this. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I haven't had a lot of love and relationships. All all the way back to a little kid? Well, yeah, they got a divorce when I was four. And, you know, my mom lived in California. My dad lived in Sweden. I was with him. What was year eight, nine, ten like? That was all Sweden. I was... You know, my dad, he passed away a couple weeks ago, actually. It's all right. It was... Oh, man. (laughs) It was strict. You know, I was an only child and I was in Sweden and it was cold and I missed my mom in America and I didn't understand why they got a divorce. Okay. Have you gotten into those feelings ever and like really looked at them? Yeah, I have. And I've talked to my mom and 20 years later, I found out my mom was addicted to alcohol when I was four. So that's why I got pulled away from her. It wasn't like a loss of love. So there was something, some really was going on. Yeah. And was she around unpleasant people that you got exposed to? No. I think he got me out of there in time. Got it. And then that sobered her up. Mm. And she became a police officer and has been great. sober ever since 25 you years. You were an inspiration to somebody, yes. your own mom. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. cool. Very cool. I love her dearly. Our relationship is amazing. And then at 11, I was old enough to say, I want to move to LA, and I got to. Okay. That, that sort of is important. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that it figures into this in an explicit way in what we're all talking about today, but you know our early relationships get recapitulated in our current stuff, mm-hmm. and you know one way or another the behaviors are manifestations of those feeling states. Definitely, and, and particularly when there's unattended parts of ourselves, that's sort of what I was getting at. The unattended parts of ourselves will get attention one way or another. 
whether it's through drugs or sexual acting out or whatever or dysfunctional relationships or blah, 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 that part will come through. Right. And, and, and our conscious self, our sort of prefrontal cortex self will be going like, what the hell's going on here? Why do I keep doing this? Why? Yeah. They seem like the right thing this time and I was so sure of it and blah, 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 blah. And uh, yet we don't look at the deeper patterns that we got going somewhere back in Sweden. Maybe, right. Or whatever. Yeah. So – and in your case, what was, what mm, was my case? Yeah, I mean, I'm the opposite of Jess. I don't. I don't believe that. You may manifest opposite, yeah. but I don't think you're that different. Well, yeah, we're also learning that every time mm-hmm. we come in here and we do these things, it's becoming more and more apparent that we, and I think maybe everyone is the same thing yes everyone's the same everyone holds like five insecurities that they're you know jumping from and yeah so you're right we are very similar ultimately but let's talk about the similarities well, it's interesting because so I grew up in Georgia. I was an Indian girl in Georgia. I felt like nobody was attracted to me. Was that true? I think yes. Okay, I shouldn't say nobody, but the people that I wanted to feel loved by, attracted. Do, do you think that was other non-Indian adolescents felt differently? I could not get a boyfriend that I wanted. And all my friends did have that. So it, it did feel okay, so like you, something you did was it, so different. So legitimately you had a different experience than your peers. I felt okay. that. Okay. But of course they were still going through, I'm sure, the same thing. Similar, similar stuff. Similar right, stuff. But, right. but you had an extra burden. Exactly. Yeah. And as we sort of think about these things, reasonably so. Yeah. Right? I mean, in Georgia in the, when was this, 90s? or Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. And mine felt like... It was so external. I couldn't hide behind anything. I had brown skin and I was well, walking Let me ask you there. something. This is going to sound silly, but I think it's yeah. important. Did, did the kids understand the different ethnicities and races that were around them? Or were you sort of classified in one block and were oh, differentiated from other dark-skinned kids? I'm sure some people grouped it into a block, but I think they did. So you had good friends that... Came, visited your family. Oh, yes. Understood what was going on. Yes. Did you talk about it when you were that age? No. So I was like adamant about separating that and making that a non-existent part of my life. So I was oh. trying to be as So back to my white. comment about un- unattended parts of self, here we are again, right? Exactly. Interesting. I was like an over and still am an over assimilator like i can sort of chameleon my way through and be what they need so i become sort of indispensable to them in in some ways that's been a great asset for my life and also it's a problem but worth the problem well i think it's a problem in that now as an adult i realize that as a kid i don't know who i really was I was like always a person who was just shape-shifting a little bit. And so now I am that person. It's all made me into me now. But sometimes I wonder like, ooh, all that sort of repression. Does it make you sad? Yes. I think it definitely makes me sad to feel like a kid felt like they couldn't be them. Some, Some random kid? Me, me, I couldn't felt like, but any, if I heard that about another kid, I'm saying, if I could separate and hear the story of a kid growing up who felt like they couldn't be them, which by the way, another similarity, Jess is the same thing. He felt trapped in being gay and he couldn't fully tap into fully him and I feel the same way. So yeah. When did you realize you were gay? I mean, I had some 
five, six, seven-year-old stuff, sexual stuff in Sweden that was maybe a little bit more than nor- what more normal kids did. With other kids? Uh, boys. Who was initiating? Oh, both, I think. Maybe the boy that was a little older. Right. So that's called child-on-child sexual abuse. That lasted till I was 11. On and off with these Nate. Same this kids. Na- yeah. And then no, one, one of them. And then... um High school came around and I was pushing it all away and I became the best basketball player and the best singer and the best, you know, all these things. And I uh, had a girlfriend and um, and then I cheated on her with another girl and I was doing it and I was popular and I was funny. Then it was senior year and me and me and Bobby, I could say his real name because he's oh, out great. now. <laughs> we started touching each other and then that became sexual. Is it, is it another person in high school? Yeah, high school. Yeah. And then went to college, got really depressed, gained 30 pounds because I wasn't popular anymore and I was scared mm-hmm. and I was alone and I didn't know what this gay thing was. And I was looking at bathroom walls, seeing pictures of penises and phone numbers for phone sex. And this was 1994 and I was just like losing my mind. Where were we in college? UC San Diego. Mm-hmm. I was there one year and then I came back. Then I was out without sex. So then I was at the Groundlings doing gay sketches. I was a chubby. I had zits around my mouth. <laughs> he loves to ye- say that. I had yellow teeth. <laughs> I just was a one-dimensional gay guy that would, but would never act on it. So and, would you have identified as asexual or something? Uh, no, I was just, I was gay and insecure, I guess. Then I got cut from the Groundlings at 25, and that was a life-changing moment for me where I thought not an, I, the one thing I was good at, which was comedy I'm and done. acting. Yeah. I cried for a month, oh and boy. then I got a personal trainer, and then I started doing steroids. What was your, what, oh boy, yeah. What was your? What was the moment you turned and started pulling out of it? Cried for a month, and then all of a sudden you got a trainer, started getting better. Yeah. Was there a moment of change? It was just I have to, I have to look hot. I'm going to look gorgeous, and I'm going to I'm going to get a great body. And then I started having sex, and it went for five years. I was having sex with 28, 30 guys a week. So can you can you see how the the anorexia and then the hypersexuality or flip side of the same coin the sex sexorexia mm-hmm. dax definitely i adored him and i would i partied with him here and there but i couldn't he was voracious what's the word voracious voracious, with his, voracious. With his, addiction. his appetite was just yeah but i would just want his attention and his approval. So I would buy the cocaine and he would do it all and he would take it home with him. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's fine. And he would drink till six in the morning and I would throw up and not drink for two weeks. And I always considered myself a half addict. Are you using now or you didn't stop using? I am a casual everything, not drugs, casual drinker. Okay. And okay. I would say more than casual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely well, a. I mean, you have the you have the childhood trauma stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, various stripes. Like you have, you know, the. I mom. have three or four aces. You do. And, she has one, and, and and what's your one? Oh, oh, mental illness in your family. Mm-hmm. What can you talk about it? Or can you tell me and cut it if you want to? Yeah, I'll tell you and cut it. <laughs> okay. Yes, they have a lot of family trauma. My mom has massive abandonment issues. So it's major mental illness and intergenerational trauma. Correct. Yeah, which gets rained down on us from previous generations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's rough. Yeah, and it's it doesn't feel real. Like this idea of this th- this event that happened with my mother when she was younger, the idea that, that I've inherited that somehow feels silly, but... We inherited the stuff she was carrying around. Yes, exactly. You know, and, and whatever that is, 
it gets rained down. Little kids are sponges. Yeah. And then that becomes a bit of a roadmap for our emotional landscape and how we fit with other people. And so we adjust accordingly or we yeah. act accordingly. Let's put it that way. We don't adjust typically. We just sort of find fit. Uh, and, you know, sex can be what, – what does it do for you, sex? I think it's it's become transactional for me. And since I've been in love and had three boyfriends, I definitely choose that and being monogamous over it all. Okay. But I definitely still dabble. I still dabble in it at all. I still yeah. dabble in some cocaine. I still dabble in some happy hours. I still dabble in doing Molly twice a year. So I am a dabbler. And I definitely still a lot of casual sex, not like in my early 30s by so, any so means. So what was it doing? What was it filling back in the earlier days? It was something that I didn't experience at 16 and 15, which was feeling wanted and hot and, and like- Desirable. Desirable. And, and loved. Yeah. If or it was some, something like some that. Some form of love. Yeah, that, some, something that you wanted to feel, that yes, you, people right. wanted you. Yeah, and I feel like I was 10 or 15 years behind my straight counterparts that were doing this so much earlier. So you were sort of owed it. Yeah, I took it too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think there's a sense of, see, I'm like you. Yes. Where, yeah, because all your friends have been having sex and and casual sex and fucking girls and then walking away. Yeah. And, and I think part of your interest in that probably stems from like, yeah, well, I'm the same. Yeah. I'm just like you. There's a much more powerful drive than that. Okay. I'm just like it. you. You'd be over with in a couple of weeks. This is a Deeper. drive. This is like heroin. And I brought brought yeah. it up last week too when I did fall in love and that and it was that feeling which was high completely. It was not sustainable. It was a year we lasted. That breakup, I I cried for a year. Mm. I had never felt that pain in my life and it was like I was losing a part of myself. And do you see how having sex was a way of avoiding that? Yes. Filling it without doing that? Yes, but I will say when I'm down, when my dad passed or when I broke up with Greg, when he broke up with me, I should say, I do not turn to those things. I don't turn to sex to feel better. For me, I turn to sex and drugs and alcohol when I'm feeling good and exciting. And it is one thing that I do if I book a job, if I something good happens in my life, I want to make it better. And how old are you now? 43. And- is there is there any bipolar disorder in your family? Just not that I know of. I joke that I'm manicky, but I don't. I've never felt bipolar or low lows. You've described multiple low lows to me already. Yeah, that's true. Crying for a year and crying, Ye for, but it, that's funny because I would never place Jess in that category. But it doesn't mean I've, it's not true. Yeah, you say yeah. to yourself what he's described. Yeah, yeah I know. And You're then right. write I think, that down and like, oh, that would fit in yes, these categories. Yes, I am exaggerating. I think as a comedian, like crying for <laughs> I do. I exaggerate all the time. <laughs> crying for a year was more of like a thing that I've said over and over again. But you did you you it were was in bad. a bad it was place. Bad, but I I I was going to work and I was hanging out with my family and I I mean it wasn't like institutionalized. We are supported by Tushy. Tushy is an amazing, albeit unconventional, but amazing gift for anyone in your life. I brought it to a white elephant party a couple years you ago, sure and it was a hot ticket mm -hmm. item. Everyone wanted it, as they should, because everyone's got an ass. 
And everyone deserves the gift of tushy. It's important to take care of. We can't just neglect. If you got poop on a part of your body, would you wipe it off with dry paper? No. This is a great question, actually. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. You'd use water. Yes. Why aren't we doing that for our butts? We got to. I mean, we're laughing and it's funny, but it's also serious because if you don't do it, there's bacteria and it can lead to hemorrhoids and yeast infections and just all kinds of not pleasant stuff. So it really is important. Thankfully, there's now a sleek bidet attachment that clips onto your existing toilet and sprays your butt completely clean with fresh water. It's called Tushy, and it's the best thing you can do for your mind, your body, and your butt. It's hooked up to fresh water. It's right. not toilet water, which I think a lot of people get a little confused about and nervous about, but it's fresh water. Also, it's only $79. That is a steal. Go to hellotushy.com slash Monica. Get 10% off your order. Get clean. We are supported by Stamps.com. Do you wish you were at the post office right now? Nope. Me either. Nobody does. But running a business or keeping up with your schedule takes a lot, and sometimes there just is not enough hours in the day. You have more important things to do, so that's why you need Stamps.com. Anything you can do at the post office, you can also do at Stamps.com. Their on-demand postage means you can skip the trip to the post office, plus you can save money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. You do it right out of your computer, whether you're a small office sending invoices and online sellers shipping out products or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day stamps.com can handle it all with ease simply use your computer to print official u.s postage 24 7 for any letter any package any class of mail anywhere you want to send once your mail is ready just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in the mailbox it's so easy time isn't the only thing you'll be saving with stamps.com you can get five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40 percent off shipping rates not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. There's no equipment to lease or no long-term commitments. Stamps.com is a no-brainer saving you time and money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com, including Armchair Expert. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Monica. That's Stamps.com. Enter Monica. Have you ever thought about hurting yourself? Have you? No. No. Good. But I did, I went into this like really intense state of anxiety, maybe PTSD. I kept feeling like it's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. Not like I want to or that I had any, but I was like, I'm going to look down and I will have done that to myself. Mm -hmm. And it really, it was a real how, spiral. How old were you? I must have been 20-ish, 19, probably 20. Mm. It was in college. And it was really, really intense for a fair amount of time, that anxiety and panicky. Did you have panic? Yeah. It manifested really physically. Like I would have all these weird sensory things where if there was a sound that was happening that I couldn't identify. like I was trigger? Like, yes. Yeah, and yeah. I like was- I had that too. It's crazy. It was yeah. just telling somebody else's and they also experienced yeah. it, which I felt so obvious. I was like, no one knows what this is. This is so bizarre. <laughs> no, because panic has a behavioral component to it, so it can get triggered. And and once it goes, like, watch out. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, it was r rough. Um, and I had one more bout of that very specific type of anxiety when I was, I guess, probably like five years ago. 
And I mean, this is such a weird thing to say, but I think possibly it got triggered after Robin Williams right. killed himself. So, so when I put, that makes sense, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of goofy, but it makes sense. Yeah. And, and that makes me think also you must have certain OCD qualities with what goes on with you too. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because Dax and I talk about this all the time on our show because he has had these crazy OCD tics and stuff. And I don't think, I mean, I'm a very obsessive person. It goes into a lot of this boy stuff. You like, guys are so funny. You, you, you both talk exactly the same way. You both go, I don't have any of that. I don't have any OCD. What I am is totally obsessive. <laughs> and you go, I've cried for a year. I have no depressive symptoms. <laughs> it's just, you guys are, this is where you are the same. You're right. <laughs> I really truly believe that you're, it, I took the Landmark Forum 20 years ago and they talk about your story. I've said this fucking story so many times. I am getting sick of it. Good. Yeah, and I want to yeah. throw it away and I do want to change my narrative, but it's so, I don't know what part is me and what part is not me and, it's all bullshit. It's, to be it's all, it's, but that is the job of emotional health, which is integration. Yeah. yeah, taking all. That's why I was pointing out the little boy stuff, which, by the way, is gone right now. When I see you, I, I'm very yeah. it's kind of like an antenna. I pick up crazy shit. Yeah, the little boy stuff that I was talking about to begin with, I just don't see right now. Yeah. So, so you can integrate. You can be present, and you know you can do that and own it and be part of you and integrate as a whole. And and I think that's what you're doing right now. Right. right? I mean, that's the reality of what your life is. Let's be yeah. fair. Uh, now, are you doing that? Jess, it seems like. Yeah. He's sort of integrating and regulating and getting a whole concept of self. And mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. fragment sometimes, and he still enjoys his manias and whatever. But but he's sort of like integrating. And and I would bet, as a manifestation, that you're better to have healthier relationships. I want to. That are, are you able to? I haven't had a relationship in four years, and we're, this show is kind of like, what are we doing? All of our friends are married and have kids in our group, pretty much. Well, I'm going to guess that the reason, and it's a guess, is that you've made not great choices correct. in the past, and they've been traumatic <laughs> when they leave or, or when they rupture. You know, And what people do is they flip to the other side then and go, well, then forget it. You have to be, and I don't know if you have this too yet, Monica, but, but Jess, you have to be careful I mean, you're a love and sex addict, essentially. I mean, for a way of thinking about it. I mean, it's not, you're not, you don't need treatment. I'm not saying, but a way of thinking about this is that. And when you have those kinds of things going on, you're a perfect instrument for trouble. (laughs) In other words, your attractions every time are going to end up in a place that is familiar. So what you have to do is either A, get a lot of treatment, get therapy, or B, stop looking for lightning bolts and look for butterflies. Does that make sense? 100%. You have to kind of find people that are more interesting, nourishing, a little bit boring compared to what you're used to, especially when you like those manias. And that will be a real relationship yep. then. That will be somebody who's available for actual intimacy. Do you feel you have difficulty with intimacy still? I'm sure you did. Because the sexual compulsion is sort of a substitute for that. Right, but with the three boyfriends, I felt very healthy. Was it a real intimacy where they were taking care of you? They valued your relationships? I should say they valued your feelings. They have cared for you and yeah, you cared for them. especially okay. one was more of a friendship, and we're still friends, and I thought that was really healthy. I don't want that for you either, because that will never last. Right. You know what I mean? That, that's you trying to do what's good. <laughs> Be careful if, with that. Right. We'll have occasional lightning bolts. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. Which was the next one was maybe too many lightning bolts. Right, I do right, think right. I have to find the balance okay. of- Okay, all right. But uh, your relationship with Greg, you've said, it was operating on a level that was not 
as you just said it a second ago, sustainable. It was it was Too not. Friendship. No, no, here? this is the diff- This is the other one oh. that he cried about. He looked like Tarzan, and he was oh, a 10, and oh. it was like, look at this person that likes me, so handsome. Okay, well, that's your thing. Do you have any of that? Oh, well, I have a ton of wanting unattainable people. What do they look like? The physical is important for you, too. The phys- But actually, I mean, like, you know, I've had, like, really big crushes on teachers, and I- so our challenge last week for me was to write down the list of the people that I had massive fantasies over because fantasy is a huge thing for me. Write down a list and then like see what the through line is. What'd you learn? All of them, unattainable across the board. Some physically unattainables like Matt Damon is on that list, you know. But also something about them is better than me. The way they look, their knowledge, you know, teacher-wise, they have something I don't have and I want. And I feel like maybe I could get through proximity to them. But the counter to that is, you know, these fantasies exist are super, super heightened. They kind of, you know, they, OCD, I guess, they take control in a lot of ways over me. And then some of them have come a little close to getting real and as soon as that starts to become a little real i am completely uninterested i think if you're interested in me no thanks so it's it's a groucho marx never want to be a member of a club that would have me as a member exactly that's what harry our therapist last week said the same thing and it's definitely that but the fantasy is a bit but that's OCD. a way of avoiding yeah it is ocd yeah period <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 oh, I'm learning. But I've never, but I've never had OCD. I've only, yeah, exactly. I've, I've never had OCD. OCD. But I've, I've never had OCD. I just have the O of the CD. <laughs> this is Dax's fault, by the way, because I've said I think I'm a little bit of that, and he's like, "You're not." Anxiety, panic, and OCD go together. Okay. The, the, you don't, you don't get to have anxiety and panic without some OCD. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Anyone that has less stuff than Dax doesn't have anything. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. It's insane. It's, you're right. <laughs> I love it. I know. You know. But the avoidance of intimacy is really what's at the core here, isn't it? Yeah. So think about it. I go from unattainable to rejecting. Yeah, exactly. Right. Have you had relationships? Not really. I mean, mm. I've had a cu- I've had small like a couple months I dated this person and but no, no. I will no. Are you virgin? No. But but close ish. <laughs> close ish. I mean, it's hard to say close cuz no, I'm not. Oh, this is what but... makes this podcast so great the way you guys talk. It's scary. It's scary to answer that, you know? Or to even have to really think about it. How old do you know? 32. Uh, I'm trying to listen to my own feelings about what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm having a peculiar reaction that I don't quite understand, which is I want to be sad about that. Okay. But I am not. Okay. What is that? I have I feel that sometimes. For her? Yeah. This whole thing, I almost am more invested in her because I have an avalanche that I have to stop. She has to start an avalanche. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to have an avalanche. Well, I don't want an avalanche. I know you like them. Why do you dig that? They're so fun. <laughs> but I should I should be feeling sad because it, you're telling me a sad story about an incredible person who should be engaged on a deeper level. And, I, and that makes me sad to think about. Yet when I sit here and talk to you, I don't feel sad. 
That's very interesting. It is interesting, and I don't understand it. Well, hmm. is it success and status and attractiveness and that her life other than this one portion is amazing? Maybe, something like that. How much do you miss all this? I I really do wish I had it. But I also, and maybe this is what you're picking up on, like I have a happy full life. And I think I walk around knowing okay. that. When she said that, I had another thought. That it must, again, what I experienced sort of has meaning to me. Yeah. Is, is kind of what was somewhere hiding in my head, which was, Oh, when, when you find, when you're ready for this, it, it will come. And you don't want what Jess has. No. <laughs> no. You want something else, and then yeah. something else will sort of present itself. I have bag. to only disagree because I'm with her a ton, and I think there are many opportunities in her life that she could be going out of yeah, her comfort zone, I, I and agree. she chooses I, not to. I completely agree. Uh, I, I'm certain that's true, and it's going to make it harder and longer for the thing to come to be right so kind of my challenge for you would be to go out and just and and this word's going to scare you but date just spend time with people breaking bread and what are we doing right now this would be a date if we had a meal in front of us right we'd be talking about our lives and our thing and our person and it could be anybody it could be a married person like me who's not going to go anywhere but you got to start spending time with communing with people and see what grows out of that yeah, I mean, a couple, so our, my first challenge was to go out on two dates in one week. Was it interesting which, that everybody wants you to date? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> clearly, that is the purpose, is like, how do I start doing that in a way where I feel open to an actual connection? Because I Don't just, worry so, about it. Do you like spending time with people? Yeah. Go spend time with people. All right. It's very simple. <laughs> Don't be so worried about. Yeah, she she has a ton of amazing friends. Though. New people, have them introduce you to people or hang with people. She's been going to dating like, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? <laughs> Leave that behind. I just think you need to spend time with people doing interesting things. Yeah, but then don't you think there'll be an expectation on? Stop their it, end? <laughs> Jesus! The OCD <laughs> comes kicking in right away. <laughs> But that's that's, let, that's their problem because that that's kind of what I was expecting from you is more codependency, which is that's yeah. what that is. Yeah. What's going to happen to the other person? Are you going to expect something from me? But 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 it's their problem. Yeah. And then and by the way, that's part of the reason to start dating is to practice boundaries and compassion. Right. Right. Oh, right. look at you closing I off to me. Like <laughs> I do not like that. Yeah. No, it's true. Don't worry about what the meaning of it is or where it's going. Just do that. But don't you think I'm doing that? Do you think it? I mean, yeah, but you're doing that with your friends, and you're doing that with people a podcast. I know, yes, I know, new yeah. people expand your horizons. But shouldn't there be a clause that there should be a p- potential possibility for romance? Slash there there attraction? will be eventually, right? right that right, just happens, right, right. right? And somebody will go, God, I know this great guy; he'd be great for you. And you know, do you have any studies or percentages as far as steroids and looks and age? Um, between straight and gay men as far as... I know gay men are doing it a lot, the steroids. And my patients that are stimulant addicted that do steroids die. That's the one thing I will tell you. They yeah. die at an uncanny rate, and I don't know why. 
They they don't die of the same things. I don't know if it's the what the steroids do to them or the right. mania. Steroids make you manic. Right. You felt it, right? Yeah. You know what that is. I do. Uh, and it's it's another stimulant. Let's face it. You think the percentages of straight men and gay men in addiction? Is- Are there more gay men than? Yes, I guess. Uh, I guess I'm I'd say no. I, I don't think there's more. I'll tell you, if you have trauma, you're more likely to get addiction. Right. Mean, trauma is the is the inciting ingredient. A lot of gay men that are acting out sexually have trauma in their background. Definitely. And so that probably correlates. Right. You know, so if you're out there with people that are hypersexual that are doing stimulants, you're going to find trauma. So right. that's the, that's that group. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about sex and love addiction? Because mm-hmm. I think maybe some of our, whoever's listening to this might be interested in the, the details of what that means. Because it sounds so like, you know, this esoteric sex and love addiction. Yeah. But it's real. Yeah, real sex addiction is, I mean, people hurt themselves. Yeah. They get physically yeah. harmed uh, yeah. and they still go on. They still keep going. And when you see real sex addiction, it's like, whoa. Yeah. And they're not happy. But I will tell you that what all the sex and love addicts say to me when the door is closed is, I just want to have a relationship. That's what they all say. Yeah, well, that's what Jess says. Yeah. I do. <laughs> and, and, uh, and they just seem like they can't can't get that intimacy, can't get that closeness the same way from quiet intimacy. You know the 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 drive, the desire to be wanted and loved, and the intensity. They're addicted to that intensity. But what about half of that? What if like the the person that has two or three aces and not seven or eight? What are the people that are that don't have consequences? What about is there such a thing? Is there a as, gradation? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, listen. I told you that I I don't want you to have no lightning bolts, right? Right. I told you you got to have some of that because I know that's important to you, and I know that's going to be a sustaining, nourishing part of your relationship. So I'm not saying expect to have quiet intimacy and that's going to be your life and right. sex every couple of weeks. And that's not you, right? Uh, you need to be realistic about that too. But you have to be able to tolerate the balance, the, right? You know. Well, and fortunately, in this in the Western society, in this country in particular, we romanticize, we a- amplify pathological love. Yeah. You know, yes. What what is our paradigm story of love in the western culture? Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. Yep. Which was a love addiction that ended in a death of right. both parties. Right. Exactly. The, the love addiction was so pathological that there was suicide and murder involved in it. That's how fucked up that yeah. was. And we look at that as a glorious story of romance. No, ladies and gentlemen, that was a catastrophe. These kids yeah. were living in a fantasy. They were ridiculously intense to the point of almost illusion. Yeah. And then because of the depression associated with the rupture, suicide. Yeah. Come on now. I know. Come on. I know now. we do. We like hold that on a pedestal of yeah. romance or something. I still want it. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> so right. And so correct. And and you should have a version of it, just not in a big, you yeah. know. Well, it's funny because I've been thinking about so we had Alex Catahawkis. Oh, you had Alex in here? Yes. Oh, she's the best. Right? Oh my God. We yeah. loved so, her. So she knows exactly she deals in this day in, day out. She, she's my go to when I have questions. Yes. Oh well so we had her on armchair but we should also have her on here perhaps yeah. oh but, yes because she talked a, a bit on our show about love addiction and ever since she's been on i've been sort of just like spinning that in my head a little bit because of course not obsessionally of course no 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 no, <laughs> not not in an ocd way just, <laughs> just in an obsessive way well i always felt like there's no way i can be 
a sex or a love addict. Obviously, I can't be a sex addict. I'm not having sex. I can't be a love addict because I've also like not really been in love. But when she's sitting here and she's sort of explaining, especially the level of fantasy that goes on, I was like, huh. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, and I maybe asked her, and I'll ask you, like, can you be a love addict who's not in love? Not really. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. You can kind of be. So really what we're sort of dancing around generally are intimacy disorders. Right. Things that avoid genuine intimacy. Yeah. And fantasy does that. Yeah. And so, and again, these terms like love addiction, sex addiction are, are really just, con- they're not diagnoses, they're not in the DSM-5, they're constructs, they're ways of helping us talk about things and understand things. Yeah. Uh, there's a great book out there called Overcoming Love Addiction by Pia Melody. I recommend you read it. Okay. It's about certain kinds of relationships with your primary caretakers, how if they're overly enmeshed or overly rejecting and how that kind of gets acted out where people go through these love avoidance, love addiction cycles. Mm. You may be in some of that. Yeah. Where you start, you know, you you get in and then you start getting out and then you act out sexually and then you get in again and uh, it's, it's this these sort of right. cycles people get into. Yeah. You, should read, you should read it too. You'd, you'd get a lot out yeah. of it. It's the first 100 pages or so, you get a ton out of Great. it. Yeah. Interesting. Overcoming love addiction. But let me also share with you. So I've been coming in here, what, a couple of years from my name? Yeah. Much more of you present now than when I first came in here, where you were very quiet and very withdrawn and very, like you said, your chameleon self. You were inserting yourself into this as the dutiful caretaker. Yeah. And and I'm I have concerns that you would overdo that, you know, in any as anything got going, the caretaking, the codependency, the being what other people need you to be, and less of this, which which is what should be present all the time. Yeah. We are supported by Article. Article is the easiest way to make your space look gorgeous. They have the cutest furniture, durable, it's awesome. This direct-to-consumer furniture company combines the curation of a boutique furniture store with the comfort and simplicity of shopping online. It's so easy, it's so great. I just purchased a piece of outdoor furniture for my deck, which I'm so excited about. It's one of the outdoor sectionals. It's called the Kezia Whale Gray Corner Modular Sectional, and it is cute. It's time to make your dream patio a reality. So keep your eyes peeled and your Instagram open for sneak peeks of Article's latest outdoor collections. And join me. We can be matching. Article's team of designers focuses on beautifully crafted pieces, quality materials, and durable construction. They are dedicated to a modern aesthetic of mid-century Scandinavian industrial and bohemian designs, which I feel like covers the whole gambit. Yeah. Fast, affordable shipping is available across the USA and Canada and is free on orders over $999. All in-stock items are delivered in two weeks or less. 30 days to make up your mind, simple returns and exchanges. Article is offering our listeners $50 off their first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash Monica and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash Monica to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Monica and Jess Love Boys is supported by BetterHelp Online Counseling. Life can be stressful. Yes. It can be beautiful and wonderful and stressful. It can be all the things. It is all the things. And we could all use a little help when we're feeling down, but sometimes we don't really know where to go or how to get it or it can feel overwhelming. But BetterHelp is available for you. BetterHelp offers licensed counselors who specialize in issues including depression and anxiety. 
as well as complicated relationships, family relationships, sleeping, grief, stress, trauma, anger. You can really see your therapist about anything. Sometimes I even go when I feel like yeah. I'm doing great. Yeah. Like there's nothing going on. And that's when I really get into a deep dive of something that felt really under the surface that I didn't even know. It's so helpful. You can connect privately with a counselor through text, chat, phone, and video calls and get help on your own time at your own pace at an affordable rate. Monica and Jess Love Boys listeners will get 10% off their first month with the discount code MONICA. That's betterhelp.com slash MONICA. Guys, why not get help for real? Betterhelp.com slash MONICA. You know, this is a gross thing to say out loud, but I think status is sort of a factor like you know when you first came in and it's armchair expert and it's Dax's show technically and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, like, I get it. There's a reality component to it that you have a certain job to do and you do it. I get that. Yes, but also like I'm more in t- I'm I'm probably more in the mode of I will shape shift if it's somebody who I think has high status or is above me. It's the same thing, like better than me. And because if they were to see me, they'd be rejecting. Correct. Yeah. And but that's bullshit, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, and then it's that weird cycle where like then, okay, if they see me and then they like me, but they're higher status and actually they're not higher status because- well, You take their status down at that point. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. I knock you, them off the pedestal. no way you can stop that, huh? Well, I would love to. I mean, that's the goal. That is Why do I goal. feel like this is coming from your mom? Was she a very statusy kind of person? No. No, she's definitely not, but she's not a... Maybe status isn't the right word. I don't think I... I did not grow up in a household where there was like a lot of nurturing Mm -hmm. or a depiction of love, really. Mm -hmm. They They were practical together. They're still together. And I mean... Were they an arranged marriage? No. Are you ever threatened with that? They're really good about that. They they really are fine with me doing whatever I want. Me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Can you imagine a raised marriage for you? I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I feel like you'd take it more in stride than me. An arranged marriage? I could kind of see if it was somebody, like if we did some vetting and it was like, we look at this person, look at his body, look at the, like I don't think the arranged part would scare him. I think it's if were, if if he if he had, if it was his arrangement, well, if it was everything true, he true. wanted. Well, that's true. <laughs> that, that's that's true. Maybe I should I should arrange something <laughs> for him as a challenge. But but yeah. So no, I mean no romance. And so I also think there's like that whole idea was sort of put on a pedestal. Idea of. Love, because I was getting it from movies. I was getting it from Romeo and Juliet. I was getting it from these heightened places. I wasn't getting it from real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Friends, Goodwill hunting. Getting it from friends and Goodwill hunting. I was like fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I just put I just put those two things together. I think because yeah, I never saw that day to day and saw what it meant to have highs and lows within that that were real. Do you write? Yeah. Are you, have you had some success doing that? Yeah. Yeah. I write everything. I write I mean, think all about Kristen it. I mean, stuff. Jane Eyre, Jane Austen, they all the same story. Yeah. Worse. Yeah. But same, same, <laughs> yes. same kind of story. Kim you Tenet. write for other people, though, more than yourself. Yeah, but I I used to write a ton. I have, like had tons of spec scripts. And really all that stuff fell out because of time. And yeah, I love that. I love making my own worlds. As a kid, I wrote 
t- me and my best friend, we would just like write stories all day long and create worlds where, where I had control of the narrative. And there was so much love and this it's, and that. It's, again, so interesting. I do write when I really, except all day, all night. With my, <laughs> 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 it's like, it's like, I'm not ready anymore. So, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you both either. do it. I don't you bo- either. You, your, your starting point is no, 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 no. Yeah. Not me. And then woof, it's, there it is. Because I also feel like we both believe that we're very self-aware. Right. Like we both sort of take that in as like, we're self-aware people. You're self-aware in different ways. Tell us. I'll grant you that. Well, your your frontal lobe is just in the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a she's got this powerful intellect that's just analyzing and OCDing everything and analyzing. That's a great asset, but it's in the way yeah. of connecting to your emotional landscape. Yeah. You're connect you're in, you live in the emotion. You live in the emotional landscape. That, that's the difference. And and you're you're aware of it, but it's it's a little fragmented. And you move in and out of these fragments, yeah. and I don't think you're aware when you move in and out of them. That's yeah. the non-self-aware part. And for you, Monica, it's that you're disconnected yeah. from those emotional landscapes, and your intellect kicks in and tries to explain everything then. Yeah. Does that wow, make sense? this is good. Yeah, I That's know. Really it's the truth. Yeah. I do. I lean in mine. Yeah, you're in it. You're, you're living it. You're, yeah. you're that. And that's what makes you guys very interesting, by the right. way. So that's that, again, although you, this whole business, you both denying everything at the, <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the front and then coming out with this massive- No, no, no. I'm not 6'5". <laughs> I'm not 6'5". I'm 6'5". I'm 6'4 and 12 inches. And I don't know what that is because you, you both have it. It's, 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 I don't know if it's minimization or denial or what, what, what that first move always is. Also weirdly ties into the- assimilation that we've both been programmed for our whole lives which is like i'm good at saying i'm not this i'm this so ignore, but it's all one is it, thing is it ignore me ignore these real things about me nothing Maybe. to see here yes nothing to see here literally and, and you too right no gay no indian no yes. no don't see that don't see that so so everything starts with nothing here and I think boom. so. <laughs> then lots of it. Right. And then you end up accumulating way more than you should. Yeah, I think mm. that's that could be. part of the soup. Mm, I love soup. <laughs> a hearty soup? Can you explain something to me? I've never asked any gay friends of mine. A, a lot of gay men I know have a little bit of a recoil from the idea of female genitalia. Do you have that? Um, I think that's a joke. No, no, they they like it. They they joke about it, but but they really feel it. I think, and I'm always wondering what that was. I don't have that. Don't have that. I think it's a sassy, queeny kind of gay thing. They're like pussy, gross. Like it's like a yeah, yeah. Kind of a it's a thing. I know. I know that. It's also a base level joke, which is not really that. (laughs) Yeah, it's not not fair to women. (laughs) And not funny. Yeah. So I don't partake in that. And I also don't have that whole think that everyone's gay thing that a lot of gay guys have. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a he's gay. He's gay. I'm like, no. I'm. Everyone is straight to me until their dicks in my mouth. Like, <laughs> I, definitely. <laughs> I have a question for you. So, being Dax's friend for 20 years, he has changed so much in 20 years. What are some things that you said 20 years ago that you've changed your opinion on? Is there anything that you've loosened the reins on? I mean, the the basic patterns are still the same. And remember, I I I work in the extremes, right? And so I see extreme stuff. Uh, and in the world of trauma, that's sort of where I've always been, and that's never tra- changed. And, and drug addicts are always the same. Pretty consistent. They're very consistent. Right. Very, that's one of the things I find so fascinating. It's so predictable, and and people are so. I mean, they're so interesting when they're when their motivations are broken, mm-hmm. and then so great when they get back. I've loosened up on myself a bunch. When I was uh, starting out, I'm, I was I was really 
felt very like I was doing something super important. Got what it. I was doing was really important, and I took it very seriously. Right. And if if anybody in, tried to get me to not be serious, it was extremely uncomfortable for me. And so personally, I'm not as serious as I used to be. I think this. I think I probably would have been more rigid, for lack of a better word, in uh, the idea that there was a developmental process that ended in something, a maturity of some type, and that anything that wasn't uh, fully integrated and fully brought into something, well, I would call a whole, that there's something wrong. Now, my feeling is, no, nah, whatever your pieces are, wherever they are, you want to be this piece and that piece, and that's fine. It's all good. You, you don't have to go anywhere for anybody or be anything for anybody, but you have to be whole for yourself, whatever that is. When you were doing Loveline, yeah. were there any that really stood out to you that you still remember? People always ask that question. So so we sort of arbitrarily picked a couple of them yeah. because every night there was always something. Sure. So one was a, a couple of uh, Vietnamese uh, orphans that – uh, got put their actual not sisters, but they called themselves sisters because they were put in the same orphanage on the streets of Saigon and then adopted to this country. And then one of them called us and found out that w this one was like in Orange County and the other one was in Denver, as I recall, that the one in Denver was starting to admit to her she was being sexually abused and we helped her get, you know, oh, get wow. out that situation. Um, on the more usual love liney side, the other story we would tell was about a guy named. Jim, I think his name was Jim. Anyway, he had a dog named Brutus. I remember the dog's name. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. And Brutus uh, was having sex with uh, this gentleman. Oh, my and, goodness. And he, he called and he said, You guys are these open minded. This is a forum where people are supposed to be able to share their ideas. How come people are so freaked out when they find out about my consensual, loving, intimate relationship? We go, What's going on with this relationship? Who is it with? Well, it's my Akita Kali mix, uh, Brutus. And not only was he having sex with her, Brutus was having sex with him. He had trained him oh, to do that. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and it was – here's the really interesting part of the story is uh, he taught me – he told me a lot about zoophilia and he had these – and the internet was getting going then. So he had little communities. In any event, he, he – I sort of did some research and I found that these were often a lot of severe deprivation in early childhood. And so there's no attachment. And so they attach to animals or people sort of equally unattached. But the, the interesting thing happened is our, our staff freaked out while this guy was on the phone. This man needs to be burned alive. He, he's a horrible human being. This is, I can't tolerate this. And Adam finally went, wait a minute. He goes, yeah, yeah, there's nothing okay about this, but just hang on for a second. Every night on the show, we hear about children being abused sexually and physically. You guys don't react to that. Yeah. And yet this guy, you're, you want him killed. And by the way, this is Adam's word. He goes... How, how bad is it for Brutus? Would you rather be Brutus or would you rather be pulling a sled in the Iditarod? Which, which would you rather be? <laughs> so why do you right. get mad at the guys doing the Iditarod? <laughs> so, oh, so. my God. But yeah, so then that boils down to attachment for him. That's where that Some was coming attachment from. Attachment screwed up, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which is a whole other interesting landscape, right? Attachment. And there's different types, Everybody right? has an attachment style. Yeah. Avoidant, secure, disorganized. And what's the fourth? I always forget the fourth one. It's uh, avoidant. It, it's like kind of like avoidance because I deal with with disorganized all the time. That's all I was that I'm dealing with. What is the third, fourth one? Dismissive, dismissive, fearful. Right. Which is wait. What then? What's the? Give me another one. Secure, anxious, dismissive, fearful. So when you uh, are born, 
we have a sort of a system in our brains that allows us to get close to somebody and attach them. And the primary attachment figure is mom. Mm-hmm. And mom brings all of her emotional machinery to bear on that relationship. And that relationship usually has four general categories to it. And the the way – one of the ways they sort of evoke attachment styles is through challenging uh, the child with removing her from the mom or mom having what's called a still face uh, at reuniting. Because our it turns out our face is where we express a, a lot of our emotional exchange, right? That we have signals that are going on all the time between us. And we don't even, we don't even aware of 90% of them. Yeah. Um, and it, it essentially at its core, this is the way it's constructed, is child has an emotion, mom tries to attune and, reg- and understand that emotion. And then on her face automatically is a reflection of that emotion. Like and it's and it's a pretend state. It's not the actual mom's state. It's the mom's appreciation of the child's internal state. Think about it. I hurt my finger. Mm, hurt your finger. It's sort of exaggerated. Yeah. It's kind of an exaggerated. But but it happens at the corners of the mouth and in the very tiny muscles in the eye. You have to watch it. And when you see it happen, it's like woo. And the people aren't aware they're doing it even as, as right. they do it. And uh, and then the mom attunes and and you know creates a co-created regulatory environment for the child's emotions, in which the emotions are exchanged, identified, and sent back as something that the child can understand. And that's the attachment sort of landscape. And when the child's in that attuned, connected environment, it could either be just completely chaotic and abandoning and neglectful, and or it can be an environment where the mom catches the emotions and becomes rejecting. Uh-huh. Like, I can't stand this anymore. I, I got to have a drink. Codependency kicks in there then. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of qualities. And and there are plenty of children that, you know, it's normal for the child after a, a separation from the mom to the child want to get back and sort of go to the mom for regulation and attunement and reassurance fearful and avoidant move away from the mom because the mom is a source of distress Mm. if the mom brings a lot of traumatic emotional machinery in in with her. And an insecure, chaotic connection is the moms with trauma and mental illness and just can't, they can't get a stable environment for the child emotionally at all because it's it's threatening to the mom. All these emotions are stirred up in her. Yeah. That makes sense? Am I explaining that adequately? Yeah. amazing. I I would urge reading on attachment and tricky if it has anchored in neurobiology because then you know it's uh, you know, real. it's uh, yeah, you know, it's real. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes, from day one, what you're getting from your mom. Oh, yeah. Is that's, then that's the what beginning. you replicate. It, well, that's the beginning of your what we might call love maps, right? These sort of I, what we fit with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that sort of becomes our fittedness that we start looking with out in the world is that that landscape. Now, of course, the other parent also can serve, a, you know, another map and yeah. it can help repair some of what the other parent is doing. But the primary parent is the primary source of, of this attachment. And then you had, a, you had a major rupture and abandonment after that, right? Four. Yeah. And so what happens, it, it, what's the longest relationship you've had, by the way? A year. year. Well, 15 months. Yeah. And and so when you have that rupture, it the just the, the potential of the rupture makes going back to that environment of closeness challenging, threatening. Because, oh my God, that trauma is going to come again. That's so close. That's what it trauma. felt like when other people were like, it's just a breakup. And it did not feel like that for right. me. Right. It's a re-evoking all that old, yeah. old horrible yeah. stuff. Oof. And so and so, what therapy, would one, one of the goals of therapy, there's various ways to approach it, but one way to do it is to form a secure attachment. Mm. 
mm-hmm. that that's one of the things that people do in therapy, and that takes work. You have to rework all that neuronal machinery, and the therapist has to kind of navigate all that and find his or her way into a secure connection with you and then sustain that for a period of time so you can then reflect that back into your choices out in the world. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I guess it's impossible if you have no example of a secure attachment to then go make one in the world. It's not even an example. You're wired the way you're wired. Yeah. (laughs) And you have to, if you're going to change that wiring, it takes some work. Crazy thing about trauma is, and this is where some of the sex and love addiction comes in, is that when you've had a trauma in childhood, you'll be attracted forevermore intensely to people and places that recreate that trauma. And we have no idea why that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Freud used to call it traumatic reenactment. We call them now traumatic reenactments, and no one knows why the hell that happens. It's some wiring thing. So that's why I, I, earlier I was saying you're a perfect instrument. If you're attracted to somebody with lightning bolts, that's going to be an abandoning person. I guarantee yeah. it. And it could be intense and cool and very, very gratifying for a while, they yeah. will leave you. But it, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. And and then and again, you know, history of substance use. It's pretty chaotic stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's that's whatever was going on with her was intense. Yeah. I love that your mom's a cop Nigel. Twenty yeah, yeah twenty five years L A P D. Oh my god. Awesome. But taking your kid away from someone doesn't always sober someone up and well, I'm I, grateful that it did. Well, I generally the things that get through to addicts are loss of freedom. Loss of life, loss of children. Mm-hmm. But we all know people that overdose millions of times and have been in prison millions of times. But get, losing children does tend to get through to women. Did she talk about her traumas? That kind of uh, explosion of addiction early on is usually sexual abuse to women. So, yeah. so you can kind of look for that in her background. Yeah. So, and, and it's, Mom, and, come on in. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. I was, and one of the crazy things about moms who are sexually abused is it tends to happen to their kids too. The one thing they don't want to, as they, as they, as again, right. they get attracted to circumstances and things that are familiar with that trauma, they gravitate back to environments where the kids get well, we sexually abused. It's so, we're all cliches, too. It's not a cliche. <laughs> all we, of us, these... though, all of us, we're just walking around, we're just d- doing the same thing over and over again. Oh, we again. do that. We all do that. We're just in these patterns, in these cycles. Yes, yes. Particularly in our interpersonal lives. Particularly there. Yeah. And Why? Attachment, trauma, you know, unsolved, unresolved stuff, wiring that's left behind. That's why we have psychotherapy. It just seems like the knowledge should break the pattern doesn't. and it does That's not. your crazy frontal lobe <laughs> that gets in the way here. It should. How's, how's it been working so far? Well, I can so. recognize it's not working, but I'm saying it should. You, it you, should this work. Is, this was Plato's <laughs> construct, right? That, you know, the, the emotions were the horses and the intellect was driving the chariot. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really work like that. No. The, the, the motivational systems, the, the maps that we have in our relating with others, our feelings about our identity and our, you know, place in society and success and all these things have deep feeling states associated with them. Yeah. I was a lot like you. And I was uh, very disconnected from feelings. It took a lot of therapy really? to, to connect it up. Yeah. And now I'm really, really, really grateful to be connected. Still, have, I still have to pay attention. I have to really, like, really pay attention to kind of because they're distant. They're not always in the in the right in front of me because I'm such a freaking codependent. I feel other people's more acutely. Totally, mm-hmm. that is so me. We've had oh, this yeah. situation. <laughs> like, there's been some situations where I'm somebody else's emotion is so strong, and I feel it so attunely. Right. And so, it so takes over. Right, and so I've used the word. 
codependency many times now talking you about have. you. You have. That's what that is. But that is an asset, yeah. right? To be that available and attuned and empathic that you actually feel like people's feelings. The problem with the codependent is that you will co-mingle your feelings with the other person's. Yeah. So you're, you'll actually have your own pain mobilized by the other person's emotions, and then you'll want to fix it in the other person because it's your pain that you're finding so intolerable. What happens to us, <laughs> pointing yeah. at Monica and me, is that the feelings come in, we catch, it's not fully a contagion, we just, are, we get them, uh, and then they co-mingle with ours, and right. then to separate them is very difficult. It looks like it's the other person's, and we got to make them stop. Because yeah. it's really in us that we want to make stop. Yeah. I've had a lot of discussions with you where, and I have to tread lightly because it's hard to tell someone that that's not your shit. It's, yeah, yeah. do you get that? Yeah. It's really hard for us. She believes what she's saying, and I understand that. And I also said it's not your issue. Yeah. It, it's always not your issue. It's, it's none of our business sometimes. Oh, It's like they didn't ask you to rescue them. They don't want to be rescued. It's none of your goddamn business. Oh. And, and it's a boundary, right? That's how you have to learn about boundaries. But you you got to separate your feelings out to be able to really understand that. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. I've been out of therapy for a long time now, and I still, I'm a little more commingly than I was when I was fresh out of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a muscle. It but, is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And I, and I think men are less skilled with this. You know, our corpus callosum is smaller, right? So we don't connect to our right brain so much. And the right brain is where a lot of this stuff is going on in this interpersonal yeah. landscape. It's where the baby communicates with mom before they have language. Oh. And so all that attachment stuff, guys like Alan Shore, I believe, are embedded in the right brain. So it's right brain, right brain communication that sets up this attunement landscape of attachment. Interesting. And the males are not as, our corpus callosum not as big, so we're not as embedded in that right side. Huh. Well, even though you're really good, just as excellently, I think you are embedded in it. Your right side, right? You 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 feel stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. You're in. <laughs> it's I don't I don't gender it per se myself. Right. I, I just I just think of it in neurobiological terms and yeah. genetic terms and stuff. Right. But I wouldn't expressly gender it. Yeah. Uh, and and there are plenty of men that have lots of what you have, and there are plenty of women that have less of it. Got you it. know, and so it's, yeah. it's it's always a spectrum. So what brain am I? You're living in your emotional brain, which is what side? Right side. Got it. Yeah. And she's frontal side? She's She's got both <laughs> frontal lobes in control, got firing it. off. Fi there, that prefrontal cortex is all uh, in the way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my it therapist is. has said it every time I'm in there, basically. She's like, yeah, I know you get it. <laughs> you know I it. I know you understand it so, logically, so, but yeah. you're not understanding it you're emotionally. You're not experiencing it emotionally. <sighs> okay, so as far as... Our weekly challenge, because we're we're meeting again a on- A week from Thursday. A week from tomorrow, yeah. yeah. So this challenge has to be completed by then. I want to arrange marriage you. I want <laughs> I want to arrange a person for you. Well, that's you. interesting. That right? would be very interesting. I mean, we could yeah. both do it to each other, I suppose. Why don't you, just to whoa, see? Whoa, whoa, because whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, I like it because, because I want you just to learn to hang with- Anybody, yeah, uh, and not be worried about it. Just learn to have a date with a human being and get to know them. Wait a minute, fun. we have to have we have to set each other up with yes. a person. Doesn't have to be sexual or anything it's to hang out with. Specifically, I don't want it to be sexual, but if it whatever, right? But I, I'd rather it not be. I'd rather I'd rather it be a an encounter. Yeah, uh, a sitting and exchanging with another human being. And I have to get hers, and she has to get mine. Yeah, and we can't know this person. No. Like you can't know mine, right? And I can't a know new yours, person. right? 
And and then just the goal is to enjoy being present with other humans. A new person. Ultimately, what I'm looking for is I want to, you to see yourself through a new pair of glasses. Wow. I want you to sit with people that you wouldn't normally be attracted to because the attraction is all that old trauma stuff, right? And so this is a way of taking that out and putting you with somebody who somebody thinks is suitable for you. They're not being, you know. So I'm confused. Is this a date or is this platonic? This is what Dr. has been saying the whole time is to not parcel that out. Oh, because then we have expectations. Yeah. It it it. can be a date. It can be sex. What I'm looking for is you just spending time seeing yourself through a new pair of glasses by just being with another person. And that could be, if you really do it and really pay attention during the exchange, You'd be surprised what that can do for people. People just hanging out with people they wouldn't normally hang with will like find sobriety. They'll suddenly have a moment of clarity in things. They see themselves differently. Because again, what you seek out, each of you, all of us, are the fittedness, the old patterns. And if you step out of that and try something a little different and do it on a regular basis, especially, which I'm especially now just pointing at, um, you know, who knows? (laughs) I'm terrified. Of to pick. For her? Yeah. I have no problem going to do anywhere with anyone. I want to... But I'm going to pick someone who is an example of someone I I want you to be... With. Looking at. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I hope you'd want it to be somebody that could care about him. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, what are you going to do? I don't know. Because my thing was pick someone that is intellectually stimulating. But she does that all the time. I kind of want to pick someone that, I don't know. I don't know. I'm scared. I think this is great. It is. A new pair of glasses, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I like that. It's an extremely powerful experience. Wow. I like that. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. much. This was fantastic. Time, it's it's interesting when you're in... something didn't time just zoom yeah yeah oh yeah yeah when you're in an emotional space time contracts and expands yeah yeah for sure well this was lovely thank you so much thank you guys thank you